Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 93. In today's podcast, we're talking about the serious studies showing some big benefits of essential fatty acids for dogs and cats. Why you should be using the herb comfrey. Lastly, a study from UC Davis, which is now advising that you delay spaying and neutering your dog. Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or comments? Feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com or slash blog. I'm having a brand new webinar and I'm encouraging you to sign up. It's called The Real Truth About Fatty Acid Supplements for Dogs and Cats. What is best to feed? What to avoid? how to naturally treat your pet with food, supplements, and holistic remedies. The sign-up is at www.theomega3supplement.com forward slash webinar. Omega-3 benefits for dogs and cats. What are the essential fatty acids? Well, dogs and cats require omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids in their diet because they can produce some of these essential fatty acids on their own. That's why they're called essential. These essential fatty acids are the omega-6s of linoleic acid and arachidonic acid. Then there are the omega-3 acids, alpha-linoleic acid, and then the two you're probably most familiar with, EPA, which is icosapentatoic acid, and DHA, which is docosohexanoic acid. Most dog and cat diets are naturally very high in the omega-6 fatty acids, but very low in the omega-3 fatty acids. It is the omega-3 fatty acids that provide the majority of the benefit. Hence, your veterinarian has likely suggested at one time or another that you take home fish oil capsules. Maybe you've used them, maybe you haven't. But once you learn about all the confirmed benefits of the essential fatty acids, you'll want to be getting back on these EFAs. So what are some of the specific benefits for our dogs and cats that have been studied in veterinary medicine? First, treatment of arthritis. The anti-inflammatory properties of the omega-3 fatty acids are responsible for their therapeutic benefit for dogs with arthritis. In a study of 127 dogs with arthritis, those fed a diet supplemented with omega-3 fatty acids showed significant improvement in their abilities to rise from resting position, play and walk. Prescription diets made specifically for dogs with arthritis are heavily supplemented with fish oil. Treatment of inflammatory skin disease. Allergic skin disease and other inflammatory skin conditions have the potential to benefit from the anti-inflammatory effects of the omega-3 fatty acids. One study done with dogs with itchy skin compared the placebo group to those receiving the omega-3 fatty acids supplemented daily showed a significant improvement such as less itching, less self-trauma, and improved hair coat. Another study performed on dogs with varying stages of skin allergies demonstrated that the omega-3 fatty acids were more effective for dogs who were in the earlier stages of their skin problems compared to those who were more in their advanced diseases. Number three, treatment of canine cognitive dysfunction. It's a well-recognized syndrome of older dogs that in many ways resembles human dementia and Alzheimer's disease. The omega-3 fatty acid, DHA, has been shown to improve cognitive dysfunction in affected dogs. Interestingly, DHA appears to slow the progression of human dementia and Alzheimer's disease as well. A study performed in 142 older dogs with a variety of behavioral abnormalities, such as disorientation, affected sleep patterns, you know, decreased activity with family members, 
It showed that during the 60-day period, dogs fed a DHA-supplemented food showed significant improvement in every one of those behavioral categories. Number four, treatment of heart diseases. Omega-3 fatty acid supplementation for dogs and cats with heart disease have a number of potential benefits, such as reducing inflammation and helping to protect against abnormal heart rhythm, arrhythmia. The dose of the omega-3 fatty acids that is currently recommended for dogs and cats with heart failure is 40 milligrams per kilo of EPA and 25 milligrams per kilo of DHA per day. Treatment of kidney disease, it is frequently recommended for treatment of glomerular disease, a kidney disorder associated with excessive protein loss in the urine that can worsen chronic kidney disease. In one study of canine kidney disease with secondary glomerular injury, dietary supplementation with fish oil was shown to significantly slow the progression of the kidney death. Additionally, omega-3 fatty acid supplementation has also been studied in our cats and has been shown to have a protective effect against acute injury in the kidneys. For this reason, any dog or cat with compromised kidney function should be on a quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Number seven, asthma or cat asthma. There's one big study that's been shown that omega-3s can reduce asthma in kids. Asthma is a chronic lung disease which shows up with coughing, shortness of breath, and wheezing. And severe asthma attacks in our cats can be very dangerous. Typically in a cat, the presentation is a cat that has a history of coughing and comes in with respiratory distress. So these, and there's a number of different studies that have been done in people, and they've shown that it really can lower the risk of asthma and in some cases help decrease some of the signs and symptoms. If you've got a cat with asthma, they should be on a good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Number eight, the omega-3s may help prevent some of the cancers. We know it's one of the leading causes of death in our dogs and cats today, today and the omega-3 fatty acids have long been claimed to help reduce the risk of certain types of cancers. There's been new studies done in people, and they now show that the omega-3s can have up to a 55% lower risk of colon cancer just by using the omega-3 fatty acid. They've also been linked to reduced risk of prostate cancer along with reduced risk of breast cancer in women. Uh, some of these same results can be also applicable to our dogs and cats. Cats get a specific type of condition called fatty liver or hepatic lipidosis. I guess what people can get the exact same condition. The omega-3s have now been shown to be beneficial and be able to reduce the fat in people's liver. May also be beneficial to help reduce the fat in our cat's liver, this condition called hepatic lipidosis. In this one study, it showed that supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids effectively reduces liver fat and inflammation. Number 10, autoimmune disease. The omega-3 fatty acids may help deal with some of the autoimmune diseases. They're so difficult to treat. What's happening is your immune system is making a mistake and it's attacking healthy cells. What are some examples? Well, the autoimmune skin diseases, i.e. lupus. The immune system attacks the pancreas. Your dog becomes a diabetic. It may be you know, the joints being affected, autoimmune-mediated polyarthritis. It may be where the blood cells are affected autoimmune-mediated hemolytic anemia. Regardless, we've got the immune system reacting inappropriately. We have very few options in veterinary medicine. We're looking at prednisone to suppress the immune system. The more stronger immunosuppressants, you know, some of the chemotherapeutic drugs, there are now studies showing getting enough omega-3s, especially early on, can reduce the risk of many of these autoimmune diseases. 
consider starting to supplement your dog or cat, a really good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Number 11, some of the behavior or behavioral disorders, you know, such as separation and anxiety in dogs, cats with feline lower urinary tract disease, where it's clearly linked where they've got this anxiety. So what they found in people, it can help fight depression, anxiety. Yeah, and what's more, when people with depression or anxiety start taking omega-3 supplements, their symptoms improve. So you can draw the very same parallel to our dogs and cats. We've got a dog with this pretty serious ongoing behavioral disorders. You should be considering the omega-3 fatty acids as, as an option. You've got a cat with FLUTD, right? We know there's a clear link with anxiety. If you've yet to try the uh, EFAs, consider getting your cat on a good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Number 12, kind of all encompasses so many of our dog and cat conditions today are chronic inflammation, right? And when you start looking at all the different diseases that are going on, there's so many big links to chronic inflammation, right? Some of those diseases include allergies, arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, heart disease, diabetes, organ dysfunction, liver, kidney disease, even cancer all linked to chronic inflammation. So many links to chronic inflammation. What are the underlying causes? There may be links to diet. May, there may be links to vaccines, right? Causing chronic inflammation. Some of the environmental toxins your dogs and cats are exposed to. We know there are an array of different things that can cause chronic inflammation. So now we're trying to figure out like, what else can we give your dog or cat on an ongoing basis that's gonna less likely make them sick in the first place? Be the good quality essential fatty acid supplement. You know, if we can turn off that inflammation early on, maybe we can prevent your dog from becoming that diabetic or having allergies or your cat from having inflammatory bowel disease. So for, the, for that you know, one reason alone, if you've yet to sort of think like, what else, what supplement should I start with my dog or cat on? If I'm to, you know, I'm, and I've suggested zillions of times in the past, get them early on in a good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Next, I want to talk about this new, new, not really a new herb, but it's been discussed lately. There's been a few new news articles about it. It's called comfrey. It's a shrub that grows in parts of Europe, Asia, and North America. It can grow up to five feet tall. It produces clusters of purple, blue, and white flowers. And it's famous for its long, slender leaves and its black skin roots. It almost has like this kind of these light greenish leaves. And they all almost have kind of a, a furry texture to them. The roots and leaves of the comfrey plant have been used in traditional medicine in many parts of the world. In Japan, the plant has been harvested and used as a traditional treatment for over 2,000 years. It was originally called knit bone, and people use it to treat muscle sprains, bruises, burns, joint inflammation. Europeans have also used comfrey to treat inflammatory conditions such as arthritis and gout. Some traditional healers have used, to treat, used it to treat diarrhea and other stomach ailments. The roots and leaves of the comfrey plant contain chemicals called allantone and rosmarinic acid. Allantone boosts the growth of new skin cells, while rosmarinic acid helps relieve pain and inflammation. Extracts are made from the roots and leaves and turned into ointments, creams, or salves. These solutions typically have a comfrey content of 5 to 20%. While comfrey is well known for its health benefits, it also poses some risks. It does contain certain compounds that if ingested orally that may harm your pet's liver. So how could you use it as a remedy? Right? Well, people are still using it as an alternative remedy for joint and muscle pain as well as for closed wounds. The very same principles can apply to using it through being It can be made available as an ointment, a cream, other topical solutions. 
There is research showing uh, its benefit for wounds. For example, research published in the journal Complementary Therapies in Medicine found evidence that comfrey can help heal abrasion wounds, joint pain, and some of the same research review, they also showed that comfrey can help treat osteoarthritis as well as injuries such as ankle sprain. A study reported in Phototherapy showed that comfrey creams containing comfrey root can help relieve upper and lower back pain. So how could you start using it? What's the easiest way to start using on your dogs and cats? First of all, you're going to be using it topically, you're going to be using it orally. And probably the biggest thing is getting the active ingredient called allantone to be absorbed. Well, fortunately, it's readily absorbed through the skin helping cells multiply, rejuvenate. One of the best methods for applying comfrey is via poultice wrapped in a compress. So how could you make your own comfrey poultice for your dogs and cats, even for yourself? First, you can go outside. I've got them right out in my garden. You can gather a half dozen large comfrey leaves from your garden, or just go to your local natural health store, get yourself some dried comfrey. Cut them into two inch pieces, including the stems. Place the pieces in either a food processor or a blender along with half a cup of water. You'll pulse them on high until, until it turns into a liquid. Add a fistful of flour to the food processor or the blender, cornmeal, any binding agent will do. Pulse again until you've got kind of this thick paste, because that one needs to go onto your skin, onto your dog, your cat's skin. Put that onto a clean dish towel or a cloth, fold it lengthways, then fold the edges over to silly contact the mixture, but leave enough of it exposed to come in direct contact with the affected injured area. So you're trying to, the idea is you're going to put that paste on top of the skin, the affected leg, put the cloth over top of that, and then snugly wrap the cloth around the injured leg. Wrap a second cloth or some other type of bandage around that, and then secure it. Ideally, you're going to have that sticky, stretchy bandage called vet wrap which I find so much better to keep everything in. You want to leave the compress on the affected area anywhere from four to six hours and refresh the fresh comfrey as needed. Uh, lastly, I want to finish with this article came from UC Davis. The UC Davis researchers recommend you wait until at least 12 months to spare near your mixed breed dog if they're going to grow over 43 pounds. So the article is suggesting now that veterinarians, animal shelters might want to reconsider the custom of sterilizing young. A study conducted at UC Davis discovered that larger mixed breed dogs, those weighing at least 43 pounds as adults, they have a heightened risk of certain joint disorders if they're spayed or neutered before the age of one. Similar findings have been reported among purebreds. Most dogs are mixed breed, says Dr. Benjamin Hart from UC Davis School of Vet Medicine. We hope this study will influence the spay or neuter process in order to give people wishing to adopt a puppy the time to make an informed decision on when to spay or neuter. Dr. Hart was a lead author on the study. The researchers compared common joint disorders such as hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and cranial cruciate ligament tears in dogs split into five weight groups. The risk of joint disorders for heavier dogs can be up to a few times higher compared to dogs left intact. This was true for large mixed breeds. For example, for female dogs over 43 pounds, the risk jumped from 4% for intact dogs to 10 to 12% if spayed before a year of age. And that's almost two and a half times more. This alone can make it more challenging if you've got, a, say, an animal shelter, you're trying to make a law around when you have, when you spay or neuter your dogs. I mean, in the U.S., several states requiring neutering of all dogs before being released for adoption, well before six months. And now they're saying that you delay this until at least a year of age. Yes, there's going to be big challenges, but you need to and we need to balance out like what's responsible as far as not having animal overpopulation versus having a healthier dog, right? So they're not going to get some of these joint disorders, you know, such as hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and ACL injury. 
uh, researchers have analyzed over 15 years of data. So that's pretty valid. So if you had the option, you personally, if you got a puppy now, wait. Like, do not get them. In my opinion, I'd at least wait till a year of age. Because, I mean, these joint disorders are just so prevalent. If you don't have the option, so be it. And I, I really think, veterinary-wise, we should all be looking at this in a serious way and considering, you know, reevaluating our recommendations. And then when we're suggesting uh, dogs are spayed or neutered. Well, that concludes this edition of Dr. Jones's Veteran Secret Podcast. This is Podcast 93. Questions or comments, feel free to send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. I encourage you to sign up to my new webinar, The Real Truth About Fatty Acid Supplements for Dogs and Cats, What is Best to Feed, What to Avoid, How to Naturally Treat Your Pet with Food, Supplements, and Holistic Remedies. The sign-up is at theomega3supplement.com forward slash webinar. Once again, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. This is Dr. Jones.